all your virtual backgrounds. This is quite good. Isn't it? I mean, this is really telling days. You know, when your students are coming in, that they want to be there with you. And for and if the students don't shop in other classes, you know, there's a problem there. Nice the weather again. Absolutely stunning. Amazing weather. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh gosh, those are hard questions. What is that? <laughs> <mean>? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Hello EdTech Podcasters, how are you? I'm connecting with you this week from my sunny top room of the house and uh, I'm on week seven with our quarantini baby. Um, so we're hanging on in there. Um, here in the UK, some schools have started again, albeit in a very different way. And many more of you around the world will be scratching your head and trying to work out how to reboot universities and colleges in a way that is safe and still supports student experience. So from the podcast, we wish you bon chance in all that you are doing. Uh, A few days ago, I was contacted by one of our amazing listeners, Saqib, and he wanted to know if I'd be interested in sharing a conversation of his between friends in the online learning and edtech community during this time. So, of course, I said yes. And what results is this episode looking at the new norm and edtech under lockdown? Um, I'm also not a massive fan of the phrase the new norm, um, but any uh, alternative suggestions, please send them across because I haven't worked out what could be a better alternative yet. Um, The first really important point to say is that Uh, this pandemic is awful. Uh, People have lost their lives and their livelihoods and their loved ones. And any innovation which comes out of this shift is always, of course, set in that context. But in this episode, you'll hear from those working through these changes across various settings. So Khaled, I just remember, I have met you. I met you you at an ETF event with you with Elaine Topham. What are the daily rituals keeping them sane? What are the online pedagogies which support engagement and assessment? Are things going to return to normal or reboot completely? And why should everyone know about stand-up desks? It, a lot of things now make sense, but also how, how bad it is for your health to sit down for long hours. I just wasn't aware. So keep you've inspired me. I'm going to stand up. This is a non-scripted conversation, of course, and not a formal interview. You'll hear educators and edtech professionals mulling over their day-to-day in their public and private worlds, with some truisms from the last few months thrown in for good measure. In fact, I think Saqib's description puts it pretty perfectly. I don't think it should be centralised. I mean, this is an experiment, you know, so it's almost like cognitive distribution between different systems, which are non-hierarchical. It's almost like jazz, where there's a certain rhythm and you just go along with it. And there's no question these guys work within education. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just in advance of that, should we just talk about uh, just structure a bit? Yeah. Just yeah. just so we kind of have a sense of, uh, of uh, what's what. And then, and then you can press go and then we won't, we won't have to show our working out too much. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoy the conversation and find it useful to remind you you are not alone during these times. And we hope to bring you more of these chats in the coming weeks. Okay, here we go. I 
think that's fine. Is my mic okay? Can anyone hear? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah? okay. Good. Super. All right, wonderful. Shall we kick off uh, with some introductions? Yeah. Julian, do you want to start off? Okay, I'll, I'll start. So I'm Julian Bream. Uh, people in London, uh, FE, uh, often know who I am because I've, I've been here for the last 20 years. I was with the JISC, with regional support centres, and through that, we just set up a sort of network of people sharing practice. And out of that, I've continued what is the Digital Innovation Roundtable. And uh, that's where Sakib comes, uh, ESAM, all kind of people who do amazing practice in London come and show and tell. But what's really nice about the Roundtable is the ethos of it, is that there's just sort of three rules. There's no vendors, everyone speaks, and there's no PowerPoints. <laughs> and also and four, no 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 agenda. But no no structure, just a theme. And everyone speaks. And the most important thing is questions are as important as answers. What isn't working can often be way more important than what is working. And out of it everyone comes away and Saki could say if this is actually true or not but I feel everyone comes away with a sense of they're doing a good job other people have the same trouble they've got and together they get a sense of this is where the level of thing is and when people go back to try and make a decision they say well this is what I've seen not just the best people on stage saying they can do this but really pretty much around the table this is the center of gravity and it's a very simple formula and and just do it again and again for FE, for adult learning, for higher education as well. There you go, that's my sales pitch. Super. And you're all invited. Khalid? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, for, for those who don't know me, my name is Carl Alanka. I'm head of e-learning at the whole college group. Um, we run further education, higher education, and I've been in education for probably about five years now, so not very long. But equally, um, my background is all tech uh, and integration with regards to technology in the classroom and how that gets utilised. Um, uh, I would love to be a part of this roundtable. I'll tell Julian that one straight away because that seems like something which would really be up my street. But for us, obviously, we look at teaching, learning, assessment, and a way that e-learning can really support the um, sorry the extension of any tasks for learners. And this pandemic has really seen that. So. Super. And you were at Grimsby, right? Before, before that? I was previously at Grimsby Institute, yeah. Um, so previously I worked at Grimsby Institute. Uh, that, that was uh, an outstanding organisation. Uh, great time. I used to work with uh, a lot of interesting teachers on the exact same topic that I do now at home. Um, we work on a multitude of different platforms. So we work on Canvas. We used to work on Moodle before that. So, um, and loads of varying different applications that we use to, you know, extend these tasks and extend the learning opportunity for students using a digital method. Neelam, over to you. Okay, so I'm Neelam Palmer. I work as Director of EdTech Digital Learning and Innovation. It's such a long title at Ashford School. I mean, there's a reason for that long title because it's everything got to do with IT teaching and then obviously looking at innovation moving forward. I also um, support, I also work within the United Learning Group where I support a, a range of schools uh, based on their ed tech needs. Um, very much got to do with 
um, helping them sort of st set up the structures in terms of running a blended learning environment in the classroom and then supporting with uh, pedagogical practices, looking at teaching and learning delivery practices and then virtual training, etc. So that's my major role across the board. Um, I'm not sure what else you want me to say, but that in a nutshell is my title and what I do. Wow. So, yes, my name is uh, Sakib Safta. I'm the Digital Innovation and Learning Lead at Star Academies. Uh, as Julian said, I was uh, uh, an active member of the e-learning roundtable that he hosts, and it's been a great sort of support group uh, for me and to bounce ideas and gain new ideas. Uh, and then I started this new post up in uh, Blackburn. Uh, so that involves two days at Tohido Boys, which is en route to becoming a Microsoft Showcase school. Uh, and then the other three days working for the trust, uh, supporting uh, their schools with uh, an EdTech uh, uh, strategy. So um, I just thought we'd get a couple of people together with one thing in common, EdTech, and really just have an informal chat about the new norm. Uh, obviously, we've experienced lockdown. Uh, from an EdTech perspective, that's meant lots of things. Uh, and um, really just to have a sort of informal discussion about uh, what the new norm looks like, uh, what sort of issues we've been facing, success stories, um, and, uh, and our current education system, what's going to happen going forward. Do we press on pause and carry on, or do we? is it time to reboot, to quote, to quote Ken Robinson there, uh, uh, and, and what that would mean. So, where where shall we start? It's a big topic. Yeah. So, right. what about success stories? So, during lockdown, what sort of stories have we had? I'd like so, to think that those schools who are um, who have had technology embedded within the environments have. Um, are very lucky they've in the sense that they've benefited from having the infrastructure in place the ecosystems available and if anything though if they've been really active and prominent in the space then the teachers digital literacy skills will have accelerated by now the students digital literacy skills would be at a completely different level um hopefully in a safe using them using it in a safe and secure manner um but I think a success stories in, in a nutshell is those schools being able to teach and continuing to teach in an online environment so that they've not, you know, you know, have this, you don't have this growing gap um, in education in, in the, over the last, what, eight weeks as it's been. Unfortunately, that doesn't stand true for all the other schools in the country because not all of them are, have, been, have been as lucky as some of these schools. Um, so whereas these schools, I would say, we're on a journey and it's now into their fourth or fifth year using technology. Some of these schools are just starting out. Um, so you can actually see this, this, um, this, you know, this gravel path with some that are right at the start of the start of the line and then others in the middle and who are trying to refine the processes and then uh, some other lucky ones who are ahead of the game and, and now what's next. Um, so I feel there are schools that actually need support. You almost have to go back four years and bring them on par very quickly. Uh, but it's not going to take very long now because a lot of mistakes have been done. There's a lot of do's and don'ts. And, you know, we, most of us have a very good understanding of our strategies and how to bring these schools up who have nothing at the moment of the bare basics and bring them along the journey, the ride with the rest of the schools. 
And do you think one-to-one -one devices has been a real important factor in that? I think if, if you have it, you know, you're lucky, you're one of the lucky ones and you probably didn't have as many issues to start off with, but a lot of the platforms are cloud-based now. So as long as you have some sort of device at home, you will have the opportunity to continue learning. Uh, but if you don't have anything at all and you don't even have internet access, then you're in trouble because that's how we're running the show, really. I'll allow others to speak now. <laughs> yeah, just feel free to... Uh... Well, if, if I could pick up on that, is that um, I've, I've been working with an adult learning service um, in London, and uh, there's a particular story there which just really struck me, is that a, an ESOL tutor um, spent something like two hours and succeeded in getting a learner who is a, a, a basic level ESOL um, a learner, and she was, I think, a, a single mum with two children, spent two hours on the phone to sort her out, to do Zoom, to get on, and then to start taking part. And that kind of, that story really appeals, I think, for, for a few reasons. I think one is that the whole service actually went on to Zoom, other platforms are available, really quickly with no pushback from the tutors no normally any kind of introduction of anything there's always some sort of you know horse trading to go on here people just saw what was you know what was needed the leadership picked a very simple tool to use and were very open in the way they sort of introduced it people went on with it the tutors sort of got on with it they were up and running and then they used the thing that particularly in adult learning they're so good at which is just that care for every learner no we had a when I was working with them I said let's start off with two two uh, sort of visions hold these slogans up high no learner left behind no tutor left behind and from there it just made all the other conversations so much easier around zoom around like other where we're going to put things you know put materials and so on uh no learner left behind what does that you know what do we have to do no tutor left behind and that was so important because it meant we could go down and i work with curriculum managers in every different area so that for everyone and some were confident some were really unconfident you know and yet as particularly reaching out to those who found it hardest and speaking you know speaking to them first sort of bringing them front and center and getting them online through zoom and other people seeing it and going like wow well she can do it gosh i can do it and then the tutors replicated that with the learners so for me that was such a powerful story of of in these times suddenly just using the ed tech but really it's those people skills and those things that make teachers special, that's really shone in that moment. I was just going to pick up on that. Um, and um, with Neelam Sheets, you mentioned how, you know, schools are at different points in their journey. And those that have been sort of equipped, both staff having been trained up as part of the usual strategy, obviously um, wouldn't face as many barriers as uh, schools who, who are trying to implement EdTech around the lockdown period and but you know I think one of the things that I've seen uh, at, at the trust I work at is that 
the EdTech strategy that I initially proposed over the next two years, effectively, to some extent, <laughs> has been rolled out over two months, uh, you know, uh, over a very short period. And uh, I've been very impressed with the way, maybe not everyone, but certainly a lot of people have really got on board, really uh, taken to teams, uh, which is completely new for them, uh, to uh, deliver remote learning. They're learning about OneNote, they're learning about forms for assessment. And it's just wonderful to see the Eureka sort of light bulb go off. When you say things like, oh, you've got Microsoft Form, you can collaborate with colleagues, everyone can add a couple of questions, you can make a template, share that around. There's a math script that goes in. Um, you know, and just seeing the sort of uh, the wow factor in staff and, and, and them sort of taking some ownership and then developing that in their schools. Uh, it's been a real privilege. I really feel, you know, uh, grateful to be part of that journey. So, so that's what I would say. I, I completely get it. You know, if um, completely concur with uh, Neelam then, uh, yeah, ideally, if we, if we had some sort of strategy in place and and especially had one-to-one -one devices, because that's the other barrier we face. So Julian mentioned, uh, you know, counts and not to leave anyone behind. Uh, and one of the challenges is, you know, if you're in a household, if a, a child does have a device what if they've got siblings or, or there's a bandwidth issue because everyone is streaming at the same time uh, or simply some students don't have the device they have a smartphone for example uh, and, and how do you cater for that uh, or they've got a device that they don't you know IT can't support maybe it's a MacBook or it's a tablet uh, so, so, so those are some of those challenges I've seen over the last uh, couple of weeks. Well for me I just want to say like how passionate everyone's been through this thing for us at home um i've just seen passion across the board for me at home i've seen it staff supporting tutors with regards to how to use a digital whiteboard i've seen uh, basically a lot of teachers um are taking a, i don't believe that covid19 realistically speaking uh, or me personally beforehand i actually had any impact on the digital strategy of the organization but i definitely believe that covid19 <laughs> has done something with that digital strategy and i saw this memes all over there's memes all over twitter and facebook and, stuff like that and all the groups that i'm in um it has really pushed us to think forward and and to move forward with this um and to make sure that we take care of our country actively and our learners with regards to the way that they are digitally included and the, the classroom is very inclusive one of the things, that obviously, I, I mean, we're blessed. I mean, my son's blessed because he has an iPad at home. And we've got the internet at home, and there's absolutely no problem with that. So he can get all of his stuff from Class Dojo, um, and it comes in. His, his daily sort of tasks that he needs to do, and we sit together and we do them, and it's a blessing because he's got his Apple Pencil that works with it. So he doesn't actually even need the book anymore, the notebook inside. He can use his Apple Pencil, take a screenshot. We can start out, you know, filling out these maths equations. Um, and that's great for, for my son, and obviously I think that's great for him but what about the rest you know what about the people that don't have the devices in the home what about the people that don't have successful internet in the home i couldn't agree more with, uh, with neil and there with that, that that if they don't have it um we are putting everybody at a massive gap there's going to be a massive step there where people have and are included and their the level of inclusivity is completely knocked tenfold like that um, you know making people feel included at all um, but as for where we've gone with this, I mean, obviously, we've got Google, we've got Microsoft, we've got conferencing tools, Zooms, we've been doing like all the time. Teachers have realized that 
the Zooms sometimes in some cases weren't actually working out the way they want them to. So what they've done is they've reverted, sorry, reverted back to recording them. So they've been using like Canvas Studio, which is inside of our, our platform, which allows teachers to actually record their lectures and um, allow students to use discussion posts against them. So people can actually start creating a discussion off a video. So it's the same sort of thing, but it's just with less bandwidth um, intensity. It doesn't require that much bandwidth. So people can go, and also you, you kind of win the hearts and minds there when you say the idea that that's on demand. So that means that students can do it at any time of the day, because right now where we've been, not all, te- not all learners can actually learn at the same time. So you'll have people that are looking after siblings or looking after parents or looking after el- the elderly, for instance. Um, so they haven't had a chance to be able to do the things that they want to do with education. And by doing it like this, we're actually catering to the client. Because at the end of the day, they're all they're all clients to us. They're all they're, every learner for us is an opportunity, um, and and we obviously you know we, we make money off them as well. So we need to make sure that we're giving them like the best opportunities possible. But I do think there's a massive gap, uh, and something needs to be done as soon as possible to try and sort of just you know sort of that, sort that out. So so here's a question I'd like to pose, um, and please do feel free to sort of pose questions themselves but here's a question is um how has since lockdown how has online how has the curriculum been redesigned has anything uh changed in in that the way you've delivered or taught or uh, organized things uh which wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a lockdown and, and i'll start off by saying you know in my case um uh had had the lockdown not happened uh, I, I do a bit of computer science teaching with some year eights, and they would be quite happily following the scheme of work, which is given by the trust, and working on some binary numbers through some packs that they get given. And, and that worked for a couple of weeks, and you sort of working through PowerPoints, then working on packs. They were getting a bit bored. I was getting a bit bored because they had their answers to the packs. And, and I said, why don't we explore Minecraft? Uh, you know, there's all this thing about coding and Python. There's education edition. So I started looking into it, and we, I ran a session. Uh, first, they were really excited. They got on. We sort out, uh, sorted out a couple of IT glitches. Uh, and then I got them to design the school building. And I said, why don't we host an assembly? Let's make that our aim. Uh, and I gave them a map, a PDF document of the new school building. It's a new building. They, they opened in September. And I said, how would you redesign it? So I got them to do some planning. And then I, I, I you know, apprentice style, put them in different groups and made them made one person a project manager. And I said, well, you've got to sort this out. So it's problem solving, creativity, collaboration, communication, decision making. We went in and uh, we had some Python activities. And then I said, right, now go away and start designing it. And I was gobsmacked. Um, my principal was gobsmacked. I just was, you know, it was the highlight of my educational career, definitely. The, the creativity, the focus, the energy, uh, they just didn't want to leave the session at the end. And I saw 21st century skills in action. Uh, the knock-on effect is that uh, one or two other schools in the trust who have heard about this are now really interested. My principals bought uh, after education in the digital timetable after half term. Uh, so the rest of the faculty can follow suit. And, and now we're also looking at uh, Minecraft Code Hour uh, for, for the year sixes or in transition to the year sevens. Um, but had lockdown not happened, we would have quite strictly followed the scheme of work um, and that opportunity wouldn't have sort of arisen. Similar to you, uh, Saki, 
I also have elected to teach a few computing lessons because you know I was trying to put something in practice and I wanted to see what what were some of our challenges. It's one thing me telling everybody else what to do and bringing the teachers on board, but I needed to sort of live the example, model model my uh, responses based on real life scenarios. So like you, we're teaching, I'm teaching um, computer science to years seven, eight, key stage three, um, and also doing a lot of Python programming. But it's quite interesting because um, although I'm just sort of stepping into it and, and, and uh, facilitating the lesson, I found that, uh, you know, pre-recorded presentations or asynchronous sort of work that is good delivered to them and said, okay, now it's independent sort of work, get on with it. It's not as motivating. It's not as challenging. It's not as engaging for the, ch- for the child. So yes, we did carry on with Python coding, but what we did is, do it side by side so it's very much a live environment okay i'll walk you through these first few examples okay who can finish the final task and then let's meet back in five minutes but we're here we're in the background but i'm here as yet so i found that it was easier to keep them engaged in an environment which was streaming live particularly with the younger children might work differently for those in universities and in higher education but when we're looking when i was looking at your seven eight nine and that key stage three moment I found, you know, maybe you'll have some high ability children who are happy to lead independently and carry on with the work and then do extension tasks and then come back and connect. But the the ones who are probably mixed ability, slightly lower ability children just need that more encouragement. So to that extent, I don't even know how sufficient or effective a asynchronous teaching is in that context. And actually, I've been having a conversation uh, with a few other people saying, I think there is some truth to li- uh, live teaching in synchronous sort of uh, a format um, and, and totally relevant in the primary years because we're doing primary years as well. So they're using Shobi, for instance. If you're not keeping them engaged and if you're not watching them and they're not responding to you even in video and audio, you know, you're going to lose them in the background. They, they Minecraft's more exciting, for instance. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know why, come up. I think I'm just responding to your question rather than answering what you, you've posed out there, I'm sorry. No, no, um, but there, there, is, there is definitely a space for live teaching and the whole concept of sort of engaging and connecting with our students. One thing I will say, I was on a webinar yesterday and we found out that those children who've had, some examples that came out of that conference were those children who have not had much contact with their teachers at all in the last eight weeks have come back to school uh, overwhelmed, bewildered. Uh, they don't know how to connect with their teacher anymore. So if, for instance, the teacher would come too close to the child, and these are examples from neighbors from other countries that have started school, you know, they tell, they tell the teachers, no, 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 you can't come close to me. You've got to keep a two-meter distance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there was all these do's and don'ts. And instead of t- the teachers telling the students, let's do, 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 they're sort of like, don't do that. Don't share. Don't give me a pencil. Don't come close to me. Um, so there's this whole impact on well-being and the students who have had no contact with their teachers at all. So why we can see this online remote environment is really great and can provide all these resources. There is something, there is something to do with connecting a, with a voice online and seeing your teacher, even if it's not on a regular every day, every second basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, from my point of view, it's the mental well-being of the children that are going to come in who have not had any contact. Mm. Yeah, so this is one of the things which I've noticed then. So obviously the, two, the teachers that are con- connecting with my son via Class Dojo are also actually phoning them up and just having conversations with them as to know how they are for well-being. And I think that's a really important aspect because he does, 
it's okay to be connected to this person via the iPad and the tasks that you need to do are here and such and such. You need to go read that with your dad and do these maths equations, etc. Because I mean, he's, he's only nine. But thinking about it, though, I think it does actually, you need to solidify the learning and making sure that he's getting the encouragement and the engagement from the tutor. And the best way of that was via telephone. Okay, they, they do Star of the Week there on, on their iPads and stuff as well. So they'll post up the Star of the Week. And he was last week, which was brilliant because it just shows that, you know, the, the reward for his achievement and what he's done throughout the week. But I, I do believe that we're definitely there. From a welfare point of view, we need to have some sort of connection, whether it be either by phone or via Zoom or whichever way. So I agree totally with that. No, I agree with Project. that too. I, I, wonder if I, I wonder if I could offer something from the sort of from the higher education point of view, because I mean they are in a bind right now. Higher education, um, they've done some incredible achievements are going online. They've done exams this year, like uh, you know fully proctored exams, you know invigilated exams uh, across the world. You know it's been incredible achievement, but all that was short-term and quick and so on. But pretty much across higher education now, they're all looking at the fact that preparing for autumn and they know that they won't, they won't all be back. For some people, it might be nobody, nobody on campus. There'll be some kind of mixture, might be first years only, might be post-grads only. Um, but, you know, they're in it for the long term now. And that means sort of serious thinking. And one of those things is, you know, heart of that is synchronous, when synchronous, when's asynchronous. And fueling that is a recognised importance of what we've been talking about there, relationship is is so important. Um, it, the opportunities to to build relationship with students, which always kind of can be in higher education, particularly if the lecture sizes get too big or the tutorial groups get too big you know it's easy for people just to drop out you know particularly the ones who are doing middling but not too well and they can sort of drop out so doing that online is is really hard and there's been directives from the government that says online only won't wash you can't just have recorded lectures and it's kind of an easy to record lectures in in higher education so i sort of set up for it now with lecture capture broadly speaking and uh some of those lectures can be really nice because you've got a tutor sat in their armchair and it's very kind of avuncular, you know, kind of way of teaching. But there's there must be interactivity, there must be collaboration, you know, there must there must be ways of of uh, a sort of human contact, and that's hard to plan, uh, especially when the possibilities some of the people might be on campus some students on campus others might be on campus but not coming in others across the uk or and across the world and keeping that consistency is is the real challenge and really there's a lot of head scratching going on right now to create those plans and to engage tutors uh, and course administrators in that sort of now so that they're ready so if I could just sorry, add to that really quickly, um, funny enough, someone asked me, so how, what do you think is going to happen in the next few days, especially when you go back to school? And it's really interesting because um, I used some words interchangeably, but now when I think about it, I think actually they're almost separate entities. So yes, you might have some lessons, particularly the young ones, where there'll be traditional classroom face-to-face -face teaching with reception, year one and year six that come in. 
um, in some more primary state schools. Um, but in those schools that already have the technology embedded, we might come face ourselves, and I'm aware of this actually, there might be some scenarios where students will be in school, uh, there will be a teacher of some sort in the classroom who will be supporting learning in some manner, but the teachers, subject specialist teachers, are still at home produce, uh, running a live session. So in theory, the students are studying online, but in, under the school sort of building structure. Yet, you won't have those teachers in the classroom. They'll be sitting at home. And then you'll have other students who couldn't come to school for whatever reason may be, medical or, you know, more vulnerable state. And so therefore they're home too. So you'd have like this matrix of learning happening in a classroom, online, virtually with them here and not here at the same time. So when I was having this conversation, I thought, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have so many different sort of learning um, outcomes from this. Different ways to do this. It's going to be virtual. It's going to be online. It's going to be traditional. It's going to be blended. It's going to be all of it in one. And we need to be able to embrace them all, because that's what's going to happen. You know, in the weeks to come, it might you might not see it all four examples in one setting, but then you might see all four in those schools that are running with tech and embedded and are working in different ways. Especially if you've got uh, a phased return, so you know, twenty five percent or twenty percent of students in a year group returning and and in theory then uh if, if there was a teacher uh with that year group they might have to deliver the same lesson a number of times uh, yes you know so, so yeah and if especially if you have borders as well so children learning globally it's mm. becomes virtual you know if, if you're there you're there if you're not don't worry we recorded and you'll have a live lesson but that's been recorded mm-hmm. so it's interesting times yeah <laughs> Just to pick up on the, um, the synchronous, asynchronous, I think those have been two real buzzwords that have been floating around on social media and during lockdown and trying to find a, a sort of balance. And one of the things I picked up was uh, the, the importance of feedback. And, um, you know, and it works both asynchronous and synchronous. So if there's a live session for argument's sake, and, uh, you know, the teacher's spoken for 20 minutes and then have said, right, can you now work on your work packs or work on these questions? Uh, how does he or she then uh, uh, is aware? What, what sort of assessment opportunity is there uh, for sort of live data uh, of student progress? And if they're working in the unless there's a QA um, from the teacher's perspective, he or she might not be aware of misconceptions. And that's where platforms like LBQ... Uh, which has a 60-day field free trial, uh, Century AI, which is free under lockdown, uh, gives them gives the teacher some data about uh, student progress. And then with asynchronous, again, if you if it's a question of just putting a so they don't need to be exclusive. If you've got you know um, a video recording uh, that's been sent out or tasks that students have been doing, uh, where you've said you know go away and do this worksheet and upload it. Um, it, I don't see that working unless there's a feedback opportunity. So where I have seen that working is where somebody said, right, here's a video, do this task, and then our synchronous session will be focused on misconceptions or difficulties you've had. Uh, so it's sort of more focused now. There's more in-depth sort of discussion. Or where, I don't know, there's an essay, and somebody said, right, do it by the end of the week, 
uh, but feedback is given during the during that week. You, you don't wait till Friday to actually mark everyone's work. There's live sort of feedback on OneNote, uh, uh, and so you can see what students are doing as they're doing. But I do think it's a delicate balance, and it needs to be balanced with off-screen time. Off-screen time is as important as on-screen time, and, and then getting the asynchronous to leverage the synchronous uh, load. So that's some of the sort of discussions and thoughts I've had around that. So just another thing that's come up is well-being. Uh, Julian is standing up, uh, we can see. Uh, I've got my stand-up desk coming in today around four o'clock, which I'm very excited about. Um, and the more research I've been doing about, you know, sitting down for long periods uh, and the importance of taking a break and especially looking at stand-up desks, the more I realized the, the impact uh, sitting down for long periods have had. So. What, how do you, what sort of well-being measures have you taken? Um, how do you, uh, you know, obviously we need them to talk about, uh, spoke about well-being for students and the importance of being able to connect with the teacher. Uh, what are the well-being challenges we've had, both with students, for ourselves, uh, during this lockdown period and working online? Uh, so we've obviously tweaked the timetables. It's not the, uh, a long sort of traditional timetable that they've had in the past. Um, we've decreased their uh, lessons to 40 minutes, but sometimes I don't feel is enough, but enough for us to sit at, at a screen for so yeah. long. We force them to take a break. If, uh, there's a 10 minute break before each lesson. Before it was only five minutes, we've refined it, so it's now 10 minutes. They'll still want to jump into the next lesson, depending on how exciting of a teaching you or teacher you are. I mean, this is really telling days. You know when your students are coming in that they want to be there with you and for and if the students don't shop in other classes you know there's a problem there um so we do take registration to see what's happening there but we force them out until it's 10 minutes up and then we bring them into the classroom um and we're forever encouraging doing sports and PE. Uh, so yeah i think we've had to drop our day quite significantly which is which has helped quite a bit but you know i completely hear you about the health um i was sitting here for long hours eight in the morning till 10 11 at night for weeks at and mm. just you know to get this all up and running and the damage it had is, is mm. not, it's unthinkable and to think that our children are going through this and yes they're younger they'll cope they'll they'll heal faster but it's still subtle damage in the background and we don't want we should really be thinking about that too i i think uh I, I put in a plea for support staff, you know, e-learning staff particularly, and but, you know, all support staff, professional staff, admin staff, who uh, who find that their their day is sort of dictated really by the tyranny of the inbox that just fills, fills and fills. I've been talking to people and they've been sort of showing me, like their inbox is filling up as we've been talking um, with requests and, and, and so on for support. And... Um, and also from from management, I mean, particularly at the beginning of lockdown, where managers, to generalise, wanted to keep an eye on people. And there were sort of daily meetings and, you know, team briefings. And then there's sort of any number of projects which then had their own meetings. And and uh, then they're offering sort of like water cooler moments as well. But, mm. you know, this is a, a big overhead of, for any individual on the amount of sort of online meeting time plus the kind of work they're trying to do as well and it did Nick just kept people glued a sense of pressure and being unfamiliar with working from home for a lot of people uh and let alone what their home circumstances were like if it enabled that 
even if they get access to the desk because someone else might need it. But um, putting boundaries on that, when to stop, you know, when, when does the day begin? When does it end? When your inbox is just filling up relentlessly, you know, and, and I found it had people had to discover skills to really start imposing um, structure over their own time. Because to be all things to all people and, and a support staff, you know, typically want to be really, uh, yes, I saw, saw that some people get really over, overwhelmed with that. I don't know about you. What do you think, Sakim? Our staff was the same, mm. um, overwhelming. The e-learning team, obviously, were working tirelessly. The amount of password resets that we had to sort out for students, it was unbelievable in the first few few weeks. Um, a lot once we've got them all out of the way with it was then about how how we now how much time do you actually want to put with your students in the way of supporting uh, facilitating and then obviously the actual teaching because obviously there are all different elements out there of teaching learning and assessment and just overall teaching to your students um, a lot of people have done uh, half ha, the classrooms are a lot smaller in size anyway in a college in comparison to a school um, but equally like even our vocational qualifications they've completely taken a different spin and a lot of our start, uh, sorry adult learners have got kids and I've got their own priorities and their own bits that they need to focus on with this being the way it is so um, I've seen I think it's up to it was it's up to the tutor's discretion to make that sort of um, sort of choice as to when it, when there's enough teaching because uh, they because they, teachers can work out which ones are, are phasing out and turning off in, in a college session in a college setting when it's uh, a school though I think it's more about setting it up to like uh, Neilam said there so having set times and making it forty minutes instead of it being an hour or sixty minutes um, that makes total sense to me. Um, but again, like Julian said there, we also saw that a lot of our managers and, and, and leaders and stuff like that wanted to know how many people were logging on every day. They wanted to know that data. They needed to know it. They wanted to know where's this level of engagement. Now, obviously, engagement is completely different to logging on. We all know that as e-learning edtech specialists. You can log on absolutely fine, but what learning is actually going on there? So... It swings around about, really. Um, but we provided the data, and they saw that. They could see how many people were logging on from day, you know, the 19th of March when we went on lockdown. Um, and they can see every learner every day. And you'll get some classes that on the days where they're supposed to have lessons will get 100% um, participation when students are in, in the discussion, doing what they need to do. And those figures are coming back. And you'll get somewhere it's not. It's 7%, 6%, 9%. There's only three or four learners that have come to those sessions. But you just have to be flexible with them. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been chocolate block for me from an ed tech perspective, trying to get 28 odd schools, you know, up and running with ed tech um, in a very short amount of time. Uh, luckily, you know, because of digital uh, technology and cloud, a lot of that can be leveraged. So uh, it was finding, uh, you know, expertise across the trust and then leveraging that. But just a couple of things that I picked up uh, that have really helped me during this lockdown uh, and, and some stories that I've heard. One is that I, I've actually got a daily ritual. Uh, I go out for a walk <laughs> every morning and I send Julian a message. And uh, it's my soundboard. I sort of uh, share my thoughts 
Um, I, you know, wish him a pleasant day. I'm normally around the park around this time. Uh, and, and he responds. And, and just that daily process of being able to reach out to somebody uh, and, and just talk about ed tech and life in general, it, it, it's been brilliant. We've obviously set up this WhatsApp group, so I've got all my ed tech contacts in there without any you know, particular agenda other than to say, look, it's a time to bond, to connect, to uh, share, uh, you know, and think together, and, and which is why we're sort of now, you know, on this Zoom call. Um, the other thing that I found, two other things, is that we have a daily stand-up meeting with IT, about 10 or 15 minutes at 10.30. And uh, it's just an opportunity for everyone uh, to not only just connect, but raise any issues. Uh, in real time rather than here's a ticket I didn't know about it until you know a meeting next week it's just you know th this is uh, a, a known bug or, or something's happened in this area here uh, you know uh, what we're going to do about it so, so having that daily sort of 10-15 minute chat has been really good one of the stories I heard is uh, from a colleague whose child attends the school I'm at and, and uh, it's his only child so he said look he feels isolated so, you know, it's, so students might have a digital timetable. They might even have an online assembly, which is being sent out. There's no way of connecting. And uh, in our trust, one of the things we've done for safeguarding reasons is ask students to turn off their webcams uh, unless really needed. So it's down to the school to then risk assess, uh, you know, and, and, and to make that decision. But uh, the default is you actually turn it off. So one of the things we've done actually moving forward for, for well-being is to have a daily uh, tutorial group. Uh, so for 20 minutes, students are now going to meet as, as part of their tutor group with their webcams on without any fixed agenda, but other than just to sort of connect and socialize, especially if they're their lone sort of sibling they, or they, you know, they don't have, uh, because of lockdown, they can't sort of meet their friends. So, so those are some of the well-being things. I'm wary of time here. One of the things I'm really keen to do, I think it was Neelam's idea, is actually for us to put our parent hats on. Uh, and obviously we, we spoke about ed tech roles and we can go on all night about that. But what's, what's life been like with kids at home uh, or, or kids uh, away at university maybe uh, who are facing some of these challenges? And, and how is it uh, like for us as parents uh, trying to uh, manage their education at home? Shall I go first? Um, so, <laughs> so I have three children. Uh, two in the senior years, one in doing her A-levels, another one in his just under uh, year nine, and, and the little one in year ten, uh, ten years old in year five. It's been very interesting. Um, luckily for the two older ones, I can just leave them and let them get on what they need to do. However, with that, you know, while it sounds bliss, um, they're in their rooms and they've got a phone and then they've got the computer and then they've got something else going on in the background. So you know they're working, but at the same time, they're multitasking, doing other things on their other devices. So, you know, I and, and, and to be quite honest, I've walked and seen so-and-so playing gaming while at the same time doing a French lesson. But I know that, that doesn't work. I'm like, look, you know, there's only so much you can take in at, at one point. I know how it works. But it, it's no surprise as to how many of the students are working at the moment. They're, they're, they're in the lessons, they're listening to things, and then they're doing something else on the side. And they tend to do something else on the side because the teacher's not 
around or because they've been left at a task that they need to complete on their own and they cannot be bothered to do it. So like I said, there's something to do with this whole engaging sort of in, in, uh, environment and, and somebody to be there in the background calling on them all the time, making sure their work is being done. They're still young kids at the end of the day. It's been more interesting with the younger one because he's in year five and he's needed help. And at the same time, I'm trying to teach or I'm trying to hold meetings or you know, check in with other people or I've got parents as, uh, or teachers and students calling on me so often I've left him to the side and saying you know try your dad he might be free at this moment or um or just give me five minutes because I can't the class is going to end at which point I'm just going to have to drop everything and help him or assess which needs me more it, it, it's a it's a, a juggling act um he now knows that if if my door is shut don't come in I'm in a conference room I'm in a conference Otherwise, if you're really desperate, let me know. I'll mute myself and <laughs> look at you and start chatting with you. So it's a, it's a juggling act all the time. Um, so, and, 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 and just to pick up on that, Neelam, have you gone with the online resources the school has provided or have you actually tweaked it or adjusted it uh, for being a parent and obviously understanding a tech to it maybe? I don't have the time. I wish I had the time to do it, but uh, we just don't. So you know, if you're saying, let's mummify an apple in or a whole bunch of salt, which nearly freaked me out because I'm like, I have no more salt at home now. <laughs> this is a commodity here. Um, so if you're looking to mummify an apple in salt, I'll read the instructions with you, but you're going to have to do it while I'm here on the side. So I think it's not really, it's not been ideal, uh, but I think it's been a learning process for me too, you know, Yes. which is a priority, which is most important. Okay, I'm just going to park you. I've got to do something. My child, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Whereas probably when I first started was, I have to sort this out. The teacher needs me right now. That, that mindset's changed. Wow. <laughs> and, and Khaled, you've got your, uh, you, 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 from a previous conversation we had, I, I think you actually got your child's school up and running on, on the platform, right? And how's that going and how's it been for you? I mean, like we've had some playing. So at the end of the day, we just need. For for me, what I believe is that that the school has done a lot of work in trying to make sure that all students have got access to that class dojo application. And for me, I think it, it's great because it just allows you to add, add video, add audio. We could, there could, there's so many different ways that a student can reply back and su supply evidence. And, and just the whole idea of gamification with the points and the scores and they get class dojo points. I, my, my son loves it. For me, though, it's just been very difficult to be able to separate myself from my work and then the task at hand. My wife, obviously, she's still in school. Uh, so my wife's a teaching assistant. She's still at school because um, she works for a specialist school um, for key work, primary key workers. And we've got a lot of work on our hands. Like, I've got to be able to support him, get him through. He's in year four. And at the same time, go straight into an email that I'm looking at, which I need to identify. Wait a minute. These are the key points. I've got to make sure I get this back to them now when they've got to get it done. But I think what we have noticed is that there is despite it being um, as, as, as mental as it has been, there's no fires, right? So there's no fires anywhere, guys. Like, it's not the end of the world if this person gets an email half an hour later. And I think we've all just got to be a bit realistic with what it is that we're dealing with. Um, the fact that we've got, we've got kids as well, and we're doing what we can do with our kids um, to make sure that we're getting the best learning out there i am interested based off what sakib said about minecraft that looks like it's next on my 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 agenda half term obviously it's just finished but um 
next thing we're going to look at is how to you know utilize Minecraft. I think he'd really enjoy that. He's, he loves his games. He loves gaming. Um, but some of the benefits that, he's, that I've seen, he doesn't have a laptop. He just has an, his iPad. But it, it's crazy how much they understand the technology at such a young age in comparison to, to myself. Like uh, I was nowhere near as, as good as he was at that age. Um, so I think that online learning for any of our kids moving forward is going to be um, an interesting one, most definitely. Definitely the new norm, I thought what you said there. And, and Julian, you, uh, you, one of your children at least is at Cambridge, right? And recently they announced, you know, for 2021, everything's it's online. How was the response? Year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, he's he's right now. He's in another <laughs> another room. He gets on their online lectures. I mean, they're very well done, I must say. Um, but he's doing engineering, and they have to do labs, and they're going to have to think creatively of how how they do labs online. Um, he's very motivated, but it, it is hard. I mean, in a way, just keeping quiet when someone else is really concentrating. The rest of the family just going to kind of keep it quiet while they're doing it. I mean, it's all day. And I've also got um, two year 13s in the house who are of the sort of lost A-level generation. Uh, they'd be doing A-levels today, you know. And uh, and that saw instantly there's this weird absence vacuum, which they replaced basically by staying in bed all day. <laughs> and now they've sort of come out and they start doing things. And we've realised how much learning goes on um sort of self-learning and when you have to find out how to do stuff like they do like learn languages just out of interest or they're trying to do sort of make things at the moment they're trying to work out how to make decking and they go online and they find this stuff out and it's a great leveler i think that's the overall feeling is that whereas before you know if they went out to school or college and came back how was how was how was your school or college today oh yeah it's all right you know, that was it. Well, now we're all linked together and they, we have to share what we're doing and we have to sort of make space for what each other are doing. And also we're all kind of learning in the same sort of way. We all just have to look stuff up and we all have to work out how we do stuff through screen time. So in a way, we have absolutely, it's put us all in the same boat. Mm. I mean, my, I've got two kids, um, one in year five in primary and one in year nine. And... Um, uh, the resources I've got are very different. Uh, so my son in a primary uh, is using Edmodo. Um This was set up pretty much, uh, you know, uh, for lockdown. Uh, I was very impressed with the daily uh, schedule he gets uh, in terms of uh, content he has to work through and, and uh, upload. And um, uh, they also, three times a week, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays at 11, have a Zoom meeting uh, as a tutor group, just a well-being check and, you know, talk through things. And um, so, like Neelam, it's a, it's a challenge. So he, he sort of sits here and I'm trying to do something and, you know, uh, my wife's trying to work my daughter. And, yeah, so, uh, but one of the things I picked up very early on is that although he's doing these math worksheets and the answers are there, he's not getting necessarily the level of feedback which he can enact upon. Um, and uh, at some point, some activities found interesting, like you had to do some research and, and sort of type up things. But uh, to supplement that, um, we decided, partly because of my role, I was looking at different platforms, Seneca Learning, LBQ, uh, Sentry AI, just to mention a couple, 
So these were my guinea pigs. I essentially put them through a couple of platforms and said, you know, give me some feedback, what's working, what's not. Uh, and, and they all, you know, have their process like Century. And I think one of the things they find useful in a lot of these platforms is the instant feedback on how they're doing um, and the opportunities that they have to actually learn some of the content. Um, and then they've, they've actually critiqued a couple of these platforms based on that. With my daughter, it, the, the, she's in secondary, it's a very, she has some minor uh, learning needs. And they actually took the decision not to do online uh, sessions uh, because not all the children have a device at home. So they, well, they've loaned out some 200 Chromebooks, but because not all teachers uh, not all have devices at home, they've actually made a decision um, to make sure not, uh, any student isn't deprived. And therefore, they've just resorted to giving out work packs, uh, sending out uh, activities through Show My Homework. Uh, and because of my daughter's needs, they've organized uh, some one-to-one -one tutoring uh, through an agency. So that's a very different scenario. But again, uh, I've just leveraged uh, the use of online platforms uh, to have some sort of daily activity where they would uh, work through. My son's also been teaching me Minecraft. So in some ways, I've actually, because it's been sort of regular, I've, I've sort of had more time to bond and actually understand, you know, uh, my background's math, so, so I've been looking, you know, uh, certain nuances of their math journey and where they've had difficulties. Um, and sometimes that that's uh, isn't, you know, sometimes teachers, you know, in a class size of 30, sometimes you don't get that one-to-one -one time with the child to actually understand where, why is it you're having difficulties in negative numbers, for example, what's going on here? You know, so I've had some of that opportunity, but well-being, getting them to do some exercise, uh, you know, going out for, we went out for a run the other day. Uh, my son found that a bit challenging. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, I've practically uh, just tried to keep things balanced without giving them too much, uh, but trying to find something that's A, engaging for them, so it's not boring. Uh, that gives me some assessment sort of feedback so I can see what's going on at least. Uh, and then there's some regularity uh, in, 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 in the approach where... I'd like to think we're learning to coexist. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As parents working with their children, children working with the teachers, um, and then it's kind of a cycle, and we're just learning to coexist in a, it, for what works for us. Yeah. Mm. So, final sort of topic or question along the new norm is uh, uh, actually to cite Ken Robinson, who's, who's started some lovely podcasts. Uh, and uh, he spoke about uh, how, you know, agricultural systems have been put on pause and so has our education system, but uh, we can't simply unpause and carry on. Uh, it's about time we reboot. Uh, and obviously he's been a long advocate of uh, rebooting the education system, which uh, is modeled, uh, you know, on structures from the industrial age. Um, and so what, what, what do you see forthcoming? What's how are things going to be different um, uh, in an ideal world? If we did reboot, what's that going to look like? Uh, will it be top down or will it be bottom up? Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I think uh, this is sort of generally, you know, most, most people think this. I mean, blended has now become center stage and mainstream. And even though, you know, we've been pushing for that for sort of 20 years or so, um, 
suddenly something's happened. Um, I think the real change though will be when every tutor is kind of supported in that and ideally uh, tutor confidence gets to the point where there's there's no distinction between when they're just doing something regular or they're doing something with with tech um, because I think we've, we've got to put that behind us but it means reorganizing our support structures you know IT services learning technology people and also the way management look at this so that there's not there's no separation blended the teaching is blended the support is blended and the way the organization is run is blended because the mm. way we are at home is now blended and the way we engage as society and as a community so when that is if that's truly put in front of us as a vision then then we will have moved somewhere finally that would be the really big change will have happened Ali, thoughts? No, I, I mean, for us, going back to, to the original question, I think it's just about making sure that we are supporting all of our staff um, forward with this, because the idea is that this is the new norm, whether we like it or not. And for us, it is business as usual. We want to continue to keep providing a solid education. And if we do so, we are going to need to make sure that we've got the correct um, elements in place so you know the correct virtual learning environment if you guys still use one or teams or whatever platform it may be um, and at the same time the staff need to have the correct uh, element of training as well I think training is probably the most important thing for staff to continue to keep innovating because they have literally this past nine nine weeks they've been innovating like I've never seen before and if they want to continue that and continue to move forward with engaging and different opportunities of learning styles and all these kind of things, then we're going to need to make sure that we put in where, you know, money's where our mouth is really technically. <laughs> we need to make sure we have the right technologists, we have the right CPD sessions, we have CPD sessions that actually support um, and not just a tip box exercise, you know, do this training and get a tick. No. Um, it has to have some sort of meaning behind it. That's my five cent, five pence. I think it's very hard to um, put something up for, to, to brand it in a certain way. I mean, I said yesterday, I don't think this is the new norm. I think this is the developing norm. You know, what will happen in the next few weeks will, you know, new sort of themes and trends will emerge. Um, so it's hard to say yet. However, um, if we go back to school and everything is, is as is and we're out of this COVID-19 phase, then will we go back to the way we used to teach? Who knows? I think many schools will. I think we'll, we'll, we'll turn back and go, right, let's just carry on as we were. But there will always be in the back of my mind, this could happen again. So with this on board, I, I think we've, for many years now, we've advocated the use of ed tech. And, and you know, the, the, I think the underlining message, even though it has been positive, has always been, yeah, but you know, we don't really need it. It's only an extra. Um, it, it's great to have. It's a nice thing to have. It's more expensive, etc. But you don't really need it. Um, I think now they look at it and go, actually, we do need it, and we need to be prepared because when it happens again, we're ready to go. So we need to have some sort of technology underpinning our, uh, our lessons, our teaching in some way, because when this happens, we're good to go. Uh, but I don't know if this is a norm. I think the position for many edtech advocates now is. Don't worry, we've done our job. 
the last 10 weeks has proved its point. Mm. Um, so we can take a step back, but help all the other schools now that need to get back, get onto this um, and prepare themselves for, for what could happen. Yeah, mm. yeah absolutely. I, I, some of the things, observations I've seen is, uh, do we need it? Skeptics, cynics have, you know, been using it it, they, it, it's, it's the, even when we, if we do go, when we do go back. I think one of the questions that will be lurking uh, at the back of everyone's mind is uh, what happens if there's a second wave? Are we prepared for it? Uh, you know what measures, uh, risk assessments, online provisions, etc. You know we need to get our systems in place and make sure staff are trained up if something like this happens again. Um, and then obviously uh, the, the blended learning scenario that. Uh, Julian spoke about is key because, you know, to maintain social distancing in schools and having a phased return um, is, is going to need that. But also um, about students who haven't been engaging online for one reason or another, there's going to be a massive gap nationally between students who have had some online learning. I think the figures were about 30% of schools nationally uh, are able to provide online provisions to students. So um, it's about looking at those gaps, addressing them when we go back, and again, uh, leveraging online resources. I've had a principal who, who wrote as way of feedback from her staff saying when, when lockdown finishes and things return, uh, she wants to uh, use this new pedagogy. She doesn't want to go back to the old way of teaching and learning that, that she, she, she was uh, actually yeah. using. Uh, she was really excited by looking at seeing some of these tools. Uh, also, things like online debate. So, I, I asked, you know, as I was asked about what sort of ed tech projects could you do during lockdown, and I said, well, why don't you get schools to do online debating in the trust? You know, and before that might have been quite difficult uh, in terms of organising, etc. Now it's pretty easy. You know, if if everyone's got a debating society set up in schools uh, that get coached, uh, you can now conduct that sort of thing online. So. You know, those are some of the things I can see going forward. And, and finally, I think for me, a really nice success story was uh, a member of staff who I had uh, given some CPD to on Microsoft back in October. And he didn't seem to engage to begin with, but he self-confessed and said, look, I'm just not good at this. I'm going to be your weak student and you're just going to have to hold my hand throughout this whole thing. So that's the way he started. And I sort of gave the CPD and I said, look, I'm here to support you. During lockdown, it's about two or three weeks in, he contacted me and he was just over the moon. He, 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 was, he was completely transformed. I didn't do anything. I just gave him the CPD back in October to December. Lockdown, he contacted me. He said, this is absolutely brilliant. I, you know, I'm using the one you showed me and I'm, you know, everything just made sense. But what he also said was, after lockdown finishes, uh, I'm, I'm going to start running intervention sessions remotely. So on that Saturday morning when he gets students in and some students can't make it, he said, actually, because of these online resources, it will be more effective uh, because I'll get the data. I can see what they're doing. I can address their misconceptions. I want to do this remotely. And I said, absolutely brilliant. Here's somebody who just a couple of months ago had absolutely zero confidence, uh, very low digital skill set, now being potentially an ethnic champion. So what does it say? You need an um, emergency. What, what, what was the statement? You need a... Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. 
in order to get change, you need a crisis. Crisis, yeah. <laughs> crazy. So that's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, I've seen sort of things develop over this past time till now that has been crazy. We had an inset day. We did an online inset day for all of our tutors. And to see them all come up out of the out of this you know dark internet hole uh, with loads of ideas on how to use the applications was awesome. I sat and I watched through them all, and I was extremely pleased with the work that had gone into it because they'd like okay, we can give video feedback now, we can do audio feedback, we can do this and that. I'm like, whoa! Yes, I've been screaming it for ages, but it's nice to hear it from somebody else's mouth um, a lot for me. Yes. So yeah, and I had a really good time. Mm. What about has anyone come across this um, year six to seven, uh, or, or in, in the college case, maybe the sort of A level, the GCSE to A level tasted days, and uh, you know uh, planning for that? And you know I've had discussions about do we do a hybrid approach? Is it online now? What what's going on there? Any any issues or uh, ideas that you've come across? Um, in higher ed, for, is it for applications? Is that for applications for yeah, next just, year? Yeah, just man- managing the sort of transition from, you know, the next cohort of students are going to come in. Yeah, I mean, th- that's one of the things which is quite interesting because we're not quite sure how, when, when they do come back and how they're going to come back and, you know, the social distancing measures that yeah. are in place and stuff. I've seen a lot of our tutors um, create like an online taster yeah. So, so people will come in and see an online taster of the qualification before they do the full qual. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see that from also the degree aspect as well. They're really interested in putting some stuff on like that as well. So that's all the way in higher education. Further education is the exact same thing. So they're giving people tasters and they can just create courses whenever they need. So if they come to us, we'll create them a course and they can just add as many people as they want and you know, have like registered sign up. So it's really easy for them to make a course like that to prepare people for the transition as well. So I think that is one thing which we need to think about as well. The transition for next year, all the online transition that he's put into place to make sure everyone smoothly moves it across. Mm. So, interesting one though, again. How's that working at your school, The managing the transition from year six to seven? Um, in terms of using the technology, in terms of moving from one class to the next, because, you know, moving from one class to the next, there's really no difference, yeah. except for the fact that, because it would have been in the same school, so we would obviously want to promote year six moving to year seven within our school. Yeah. I suppose the difference is they would, year sixes would make, actually have some sort of visits in the year seven class and yeah. what that's like. Um, so we, like, like uh, Khalid said, we've, uh, you know, put together online sessions, um, introduced them the concepts, um, introducing to the applications, etc. We have a lot more virtual days and virtual admission days, virtual open days. So yeah. that's how they sort of got used to it. Um, oh, but for, okay. for our students in particular, it shouldn't come across too, too dramatically, I don't think. We haven't sensed no. that. No. Yeah. Julian, any thoughts on that transition between the groups? Well, I guess in the... Um, into higher education, I mean, yes, there's been a great deal done of, of with virtual open days and, and tasters and so on. And I think it always has been a really interesting area of where, through extending the VLE, can you get people to who have, say, enrolled, but or, you know, registered but not enrolled, or, you know, in other words, 
so people who are going to be your students but it's yeah. still the summer and how can you engage them this has been a fantastic time for for getting on with that there's always been difficulties in the past around sort of security or logins or you know the admin of the whole thing but suddenly there's a real willingness to do that i think my real fear is for adult learning again of re of recruiting to adult learning uh, of people who are at home and how adult learning can reach out where people now can't just sort of drop into the library or town hall or you know local place and pick up leaflets and that sort of thing um, and I think that's going to be a challenge for everybody who's outside uh, you know compulsory education really to try and recruit them because now more than ever there's no reason why anybody shouldn't be doing something sort of education wise but it's it's how uh, particularly in adult learning people reach out yeah absolutely i mean i've watched the same it's online uh sort of tours taster lessons um being organized for students i've had one school who quite innovative wanted to do a 3d tour with a, a 3d sort of camera uh, and, and that's part of their project so uh, as part of induction so students are completely new uh, to the school uh, can have some sort of familiarity of the school building uh, and then have uh, various activities planned for the day uh, online which which students can then um, access and then similarly with the transition from year nine and in terms of options um, you know uh, planning that and also engaging with parents and so forth Right, I'm just wary of time here. Uh, any final thoughts or questions or advice or suggestions on uh, the new norm, EdTech under lockdown? Yeah, we need to keep working together. Mm, definitely, yeah. Keep working together there, that's true. Yeah. Together yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll crack it. Yeah. I think she just got off for a second. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I reckon that's probably the, the one that Saki was there. Yeah, and sorry, Julian as well. Together, we will crack it together. Um, uh, and don't be scared to fail forward, right? A failure is not a problem right now. As long as you can work from it and evaluate it and work out what it is that you need to do to make this work, then you are succeeding already. Mm. So, yeah. I, I, and I've got to say, for me, that's been one of the great blessings, I would say, that I've had the good fortune of uh, being able to connect with so many wonderful people in the EdTech world. And, and, you know, I'm sure each one of you has, knows me in that, I, you know, whenever there's a question, Khalid, Julian, Neelam, you know, I would sort of reach out. Um, and, 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 uh, and obviously, if I can support as well, you know, I, I'm available. But it's, I've always found people in the EdTech community online through Twitter uh, who are able to share their expertise. I think that, that's that been a huge, huge uh, blessing and opportunity to, to have. Uh, and I think that's how I've really got to know everyone, really. Uh, it's just for ongoing discussions. It's what Julian uh, in his e-learning roundtables talks about the wild side. You know, so, so you've got the formal structure during the sessions and then the wild side is the unstructured learning that happens at coffee breaks. You know, uh, and I found them as important uh, as as a formal sort of structured uh, sessions. Uh, but a lot of that through Twitter discussions, retweeting, sharing, 
you know, for me, that's really uh, one of the great blessings that we can do in our current time through through cloud technology. You know, don't be afraid of change. Um, yeah. Be bold, be brave, be adaptive. And I've said that over and over again. We just have to learn to adapt to change. And that's probably what I mentioned in my first article that I put out then, what I told all the teachers, no matter how much they hated me, is that I've told you to change, 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 change constantly. I've never let you sort of get into your comfort zone and sit and think this is it. Now you're just going to have more change. So let's just be adaptive. In fact, I probably would end and say, we've now come to a point where we have learned, we have to unlearn, and now we need to relearn. And, you know, this is the time for it. So let's grab the opportunity. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, on that note, guys, yeah, thank you thank for you. your time. Wish you a lovely Friday afternoons, lovely weather. Yeah. And uh, look forward to connecting with you online. Until next time, take care. Thank you. Thanks, See you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Big shout out to all of this week's guests and to Abu and Jasmine, Saqib's Budrigars, who I thought I was imagining uh, when I was doing my editing of this. Uh, But upon inquiry, I was not imagining this. And I think you'll agree uh, they both lend a subtle background ambience to this week's recording and continue to make lockdown an intriguing experience. To end, let's remember the musings of no learner left behind and no teacher left behind, and our thoughts with the family and friends of George Floyd this week, and standing up against all forms of racism. We hope for peaceful change. See you next time. Bye-bye.